Aquas Cortico X is an experience-led transformation business that partners with clients and technology companies to drive digital acceleration. We are experience activists, passionate about elevating everyday human experiences through the belief that what's best for people is what's best for an organization. Reach out to us for a chat. A link is in the show notes. Now, cue the jingle. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Speaking from Experience from Aquas Cortico X. I'm Will Kingston. Almost every business leader in 2024 knows that customer experience is important. In fact, I challenge you to find a single business that doesn't have a variation of customer centricity as one of its values. Whilst that's undoubtedly a good thing, the gap between intention and outcomes remains vast. Too many customer journeys are merely pretty posters on the wall instead of tools to guide experience initiatives. Too many customer listening programs provide an arbitrary number for CX performance without a plan to improve it. Too many organizations stand up peripheral CX teams without considering how to reorient their core around the customer. How can we go from talking the talk to walking the walk? My guest today has spent a career helping businesses answer that very question. Len Devana is a VP at Aquas Cortico X. His CV is a catalogue of transformational roles with extraordinary brands. Len, welcome to Speaking from Experience. Thank you so much, friends. Delightful to be here. We'll get to your journey through the worlds of CX and marketing in a second, but I want to start a little earlier. So when we first met, I noted that you had a voice for radio. I was careful not to say a face for radio. Thank you. Uh, our research team, which truth be told, may just be me and Google, suggests that I may have actually been on the money. Tell me about it. True story. Uh, way back uh, way back in the day at the ripe old age of 15, uh, and don't ask me how this happened, I managed to find my way into a proper radio gig. Uh, and I started off doing early Sunday morning uh, shows, because give this a spot that no one wants to the kid. Uh, but then uh, surprisingly found myself doing Monday through Friday drive time after very long. Uh, so it was good fun. And it really gave me a, an early intro into getting a personality out there, being me. Uh, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you, it was awkward going through doing having that job while going through uh, puberty and having your voice change all over the map. But here we are. <laughs> you reflect on that. Are there any lessons that you think are analogous between those early days and then how you would approach a career in the corporate world? Yeah, I think that those early days gave me, uh, uh, they helped me get to know myself. And I suspect to some extent they they helped me understand, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, optics and theater and, and really more importantly, I guess, presentation. And today, you know, some many, many years later, uh, I fancy myself a storyteller and storytelling has been one of my one of my most powerful, one of the most powerful tools in my toolkit, and I suspect that harkens back to that day of having to convey concise points through a microphone with no other connection to the audience. It's a really insightful point. I can't think of many great business leaders that I've come across that aren't also great storytellers. Let's move forward. Tell me about your journey in marketing initially, and then into the the world of CX. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, I, I've had an amazing career and I, I'm humbled by it. I actually started in the technology sector back after my, my, my infamous radio days, uh, jumped into tech and started early on in IT where I was thinking more about systems and help desks and supporting employees. I will fast forward considerably. That was very early days, uh, early days of web brought me to roles in marketing. Folks in marketing were sort of looking at what we were doing in the technology side and said, hey, that's interesting. There are applications to marketing, which pulled me from a technical background to a marketing background. Uh, and that really was it served as a launch pad for me personally, thinking about how do you leverage this digital medium, which at the time was sort of new for all of us. We were trying to figure out what its place was in the enterprise. How do you leverage this to grow your business and to do good by your customers? I spent a lot, awful lot of time in the tech sector re, helping rewire businesses. It was very rewarding. I, I could talk ad nauseum about lessons learned and, and stories and progress, but I wanted to expand beyond tech along with some friends who strapped a, a small boutique consulting firm focused on experience excellence. Uh, we were very, very successful very, very quickly, um, such that we had uh, many suitors trying to pick us up. We ended up joining Pricewaterhouse, where I spent the next several years running PwC Silicon Valley Experience Center. Had the pleasure of, of walking the halls of the best, uh, the biggest and the best brands we know and love today. Did that for a period of time, uh, another stint in consulting, then jumped, interestingly, into the automotive sector. I have a passion for EVs. I got a call from uh, Lucid Motors, and they asked me to join and help them think through, among other things, global customer experience. So the headline there is half a career in consulting, the other half a career in client-side roles. But what's interesting to me, and, and arguably the most important lesson I pulled through from all this time, is that I've come to appreciate, only in hindsight, it doesn't matter if you're selling a cup of coffee at Starbucks, an iPad at Apple, or a you know, $100,000 supercar at Lucid Motors. There's a common thread that spans industries and products, and that is experience. Uh, and that I've, I've only recently come to, to understand that my entire career has led me to this place of passion for experience excellence and the recognition of how a focus on experience can meaningfully move a business forward. Hence my passion today, hence why I've joined the team at Cortico X, because as you know, as well as I, that is almost our religion. Well, let's move to that notion of experience because it's one of those terms in the business world now that means a million different things to a million different people. And that actually, I think, is a, is a bit of a challenge. I think that's one of the reasons why customer experience sometimes doesn't get the traction at the highest levels of organizations that it should because it's not as well under, understood. What does customer experience mean to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's the right question because we it's thrown around too much in industry and until we sort of align uh, on what it is, we can't really move it forward. For me, experience, you know, I think about, first of all, we put the human at the center of everything. As we think about a strategy or an experience, it all starts with the human being because we are not selling to robots. We are selling to one another. So I, I think about the, I start with the human every time, but then I think about how does you, how, how do you or I go about purchasing a new set of sneakers, new health insurance, perhaps a new car. It almost doesn't matter uh, what the product or the service is. There's an experience around it. And the, the very simplistic notion of that experience is, first, you have to start by discovering a brand or its products exist. Then they work your way. If they've got a, a compelling value proposition, they work their way into your consideration set. So you've started discovering a brand. Now you're considering that brand done right, you move on to transaction and then you have some sort of a transaction with, with the company, whether that's buying a product or subscribing to a, a service. And if all these things are done right, then you move that person to become an advocate for your business. 
Right? So that's how I think at the highest level of experience, discover, discover, consider, transact, and advocate. But if you think about that journey, there are hundreds, if not thousands of touch points, uh, some physical, some digital, and the implication. So, so to me, experience is the sum of those parts. It is, it is how do those parts come together to meaningfully move your audience, in this case, your customer, through that journey. And the implications are significant. They require almost a deconstruction of traditional organizing models. Because if marketing is thinking top of funnel, sales is thinking kind of bottom of funnel, and service is nowhere on the map because the traditional customer funnel doesn't really think about the post-sale, we fail miserably. So to me, experience is the sum of the parts that transcend that journey. And success requires organizations to rethink how they bring that to market. There's an interesting little insight there uh, where you referred to, I guess, organizational structures. And it's fascinating that most organizational structures are still based on thinking that is outdated. Those old product and functional silos that inevitably mean, which are inevitably anathema to a customer first mindset, because it's very hard to look at an end-to-end journey if you're only responsible for a particular product or a particular servicing or, or functional responsibility. In terms of that organizational structure piece, how do you go about reorienting that around the customer? I think that's where everyone's struggling today, you know, and, and we all, we all organizations at large walking around talking about the importance of experience, but to your earlier point, it's difficult to move it forward. And I think we are mired in the organizational paradigms of yesterday. Now, I also think it would be naive to suggest let's deconstruct how we organize business of the past 400 years and reinvent it. That's not realistic, but in my experience when, uh, with the work I've done, Magic comes when you bring the voice of the customer into your business as a beacon and you use it as, an in, as a unifying force that spans the entire customer journey. Most of my biggest successes have come by simply what I like to describe as holding up the mirror for a client or for an employee I'm working for and saying, hey, this is what we look like from the outside in. Our prospect, our customer, they don't care that they're frustrated with marketing or sales or a service organization. They're dealing with the brand. Uh, they don't see us like we see us. So, you know, in lieu of deconstructing and reimagining a, an organizational paradigm for today, I think we can move forward if we rally around together that voice of the customer and we just keep a steadfast focus on who are we trying to serve here and how do we serve them in a meaningful manner to keep them progressing through that journey, but also advocating us not only buying more of our stuff, whatever that may be, but telling all of their friends. So voice of customer is arguably the best beacon I've, uh, I've used uh, throughout my career. And I would suggest most organizations now have some form of a voice of customer program, obviously varying levels of maturity. So that's a tick. But a challenge that I often see is that you will get a customer insight. You will then identify a challenge in your organization. But when it comes to getting budget to fix that challenge, it sometimes is very difficult to convince people of the ROI of customer initiatives. How do you move past the rhetoric that customer is important to actually getting buy-in and dollars behind these initiatives? Two, two different thoughts. Um, you mentioned uh, the lead into your question was most organizations have this today or they're thinking about this today. And, and I would challenge that point. 
I believe that organizations today are wired to listen to conversations addressed to them. What I mean by that, I'm an angry mm. consumer. I'm on Twitter, Twitter X, I'll say. I am complaining to you about something. And my assumption is you have a, a team of people on the other side listening for those signals and responding to them. That is a conversation directed at you. And I would argue that is maybe 20% of the conversation. The other 80% is the conversation about you. It's not necessarily addressed to you. It is not conveniently posted in your Facebook page or what have you. It is spread throughout the, the ethos of the internet. And there is, is much, perhaps more merit listening to and understanding the conversations about your brand as there is to conversations addressed to your brand. There is more value in the 80%. So I, it, out of the gate, I would suggest virtually every company on planet Earth has an enormous opportunity to reimagine and rethink how they're listening uh, to customer insights and, and tapping into those. To your point around, yep, data is great, insights are great, verbatims are great, how do you move it forward? A couple of different thoughts. I, I won't name names, but there was a company back in the day, technology sector, and we were sort of struggling with this. At, at, at the highest level, voice of customer wasn't necessarily important to, to the senior leadership team. So, uh, and this is a tactic, but it was a powerful tactic. What we ended up doing is get a bunch of big plasmas, 50-inch screens, and we put them in the lobby where the executives walked in. And those plasmas would display unfiltered customer sentiment, the good and the bad. And time and time and time again, a senior leader would walk in and they'd have coffee and they'd kind of glance up and what? what is, that's not right. What is this? Um, it's like, well, that is customer perspective, uh, perception. Uh, we can change that, but changing that requires that we actually engage in the conversation. So it's a tactic, but it, was, it served me very, very well, just pulling those insights forward and putting them front and center. To your question around sort of moving the needle, uh, it's not exactly what you asked, but how do you move this forward based on that? It, it can be tricky, but you know, there's enough data points out there that tell us this is important. We're not, we're not feeling around in the dark. We know enhancements and experience will drive your growth forward, full stop. But if you're still trying to make that case, you know, I personally enjoy looking at a customer journey, listening to signals to understand where are we hemorrhaging? Where are the friction points? You know, and, and sort of pulling those out and, and being very finite. It's almost a sniper approach versus sort of that macro approach. Finding something that is uh, a point of, of hemorrhage in your, let's say in your transaction phase, are, are making this up. Our e-commerce site is complex. People can't find the products and the checkout process is too hard. So people People are abandoning their cards. Again, making it up. Identifying a signal, using voice of customer to legitimize a signal in the business, making tweaks and adjustments, rolling it out, and showing that, hey, you know, signal from customer drove us here. We've made our, our diagnostics and our changes. And here's the new behavior we're seeing. And if you play that example out, you can see things like we've had a 12% reduction in card abandonment. Now, these are very, very powerful things. So now you're starting to correlate customer signals with business impact. And that for me is inarguable. Yeah, well said. And I really like that first point around engaging the C-suite through insights and then putting it in a place where they literally can't miss it. There are some wonderful examples of how you actually go about engaging senior leaders, whether it's putting them on the phones in the contact center every so often or walk a mile initiatives, which I know that Aquas Cortico X have done with a leading healthcare provider. We're actually the leader within the organization is put through what, say, a nurse goes through in, in, over the course of a day. And the outcomes of that, that visceral feeling of knowing what either your employees or your customers go through, 10 times more powerful than any insights report 
I want to continue on this theme of how do you actually engage people in the organization. So if that's how you engage the C-suite, I want to think around the back office. So it's very easy to be able to empathize with customers if you work in a contact center because you speak to them every day. You work in a back office function where, say, you don't have direct engagement with customers. How can you go about cultivating a customer-first mindset in the back office as well as the front office? Let's pick on your support example, your service example. Let's, let's start there because it's so interesting to me. In school, most of us were taught about a, a pretty linear funnel, right? We talked about it earlier, and it, it is focused on filling the funnel, closing a transaction. And that's sort of where we stop. But that's not the end of the story. The story continues. And pick, kind, of, kind of staying with this notion of, of silos and not looking at everything we do through the lens of the customer, think about how your traditional service or support personnel are, are measured. More often than not, I am, my success as a support service person, I'm a call center person, just for example, my success is measured by how many calls can I close in a day? 500 is good, 1,000 is better. Is that the right metric? Um, the answer is no, it's not the right metric. The right metric is, are we solving our customers' problems in a way that they hang up and they're delighted? Or are we just making them feel like a clearinghouse? Did you reset your password? Great, thanks, goodbye. So the point I'm trying to make here is there is an opportunity out of the gate for frontline staff to think holistically. What is the impact on using the service example? If our service team is sort of measured as such, if they're a clearinghouse for closing calls, what is the impact from a top of the funnel perspective? We are going to deter customers because that's not a great experience. So just, again, playing off that example, helping everyone customer facing understand their unique and critical role in the customer experience. Where are the handoffs? Uh, what is the impact? If, if a bad experience up here, what does that do downstream? Now we're starting to unify ourselves around that common view. So I think that's very, very important. You're, ch- you're changing the mentality as well from thinking of your team as a cost center yeah. to actually a value driver for the business. And that shift in mentality is, is really important. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, the, the service folks are, are a great example. It's it's a thankless job, but I would argue it is one of the most important marketing jobs that, or sales jobs there is. But we simply don't look at Absolutely. it like that. You know, and I don't know that I have a, a, a fantastic answer for the back office aside from what we're talking about here never happens unless it is deeply embedded in the DNA of a company culture. Everyone. Everyone, uh, you know, from the, 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 the VP of sales down to the person cleaning the conference rooms at the end of the day, everyone needs to understand the importance of customer excellence and the fact that each and every one of us has a unique role in it. You know, it, it, as you move to the back office, product, uh, product engineering and so on and so forth, there are all sorts of opportunities to just pull those same customer insights back and say, hey, by the way, you know, we can do a couple of things. We can go spend a bazillion dollars and do focus groups in New York City next week and hire 12, uh, pay 12 customers to come in. That's fine. Or we can simply listen a bit because there's a real-time focus group going on about our business 24-7, 365. Let us show you what we've learned. So I would argue that there are insights for every aspect of the business that can help us move forward to a customer-centric culture. Yeah, I agree. A customer-centric culture for me is is so much fun because there are very cheap and easy things that you can do that just promote a customer first mindset. Amazon leaves an empty chair to represent the customer in meetings. These sorts of things, they're symbolic, but they're easy and they just continuously just nudge people to think customer first. Uh, Something which I always tell customer leaders is what is that list of cheap, easy, quick things that you can do to promote that mindset? I guess the driver increasingly of that mindset 
is a chief customer officer, which is or a head of customer experience. It's a relatively new role in the corporate world, but it is expanding, which is a good thing. You are a past head of customer experience. Tell me about that role and, and how should, should someone say who is a, a new chief customer officer be thinking about their responsibilities in the business? So first, first of all, bravo to those brands who have decided to move forward and set up a chief customer officer, chief experience officer, whatever it is. This is a critical journey and every critical journey needs a guide. And, and that is at the core of the role of someone, of, of someone in that chair. I believe they have to be organizationally agnostic because the moment you roll up to a marketing or a sales or a service example, a service organization as example, you are you are guided by that organization's success measures inherently. When you say organizationally agnostic, you mean that the CX function should sit separate to those functions. Is that what you mean there? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, And I've seen organizations, because everyone's trying to figure this out, and and I've seen those organizations who put a function like that within a, a, again, a marketing, a sales, a service team. That's not to pick on these people. But but again, you are inherently bound by the organization. Uh, Someone... What we're talking about here requires a lot of breaking glass, and you cannot break glass unless you are untethered from some of the realities and challenges of of the organization of the day. What are the skill sets that you think great chief customer officers, or let's just say great customer leaders, need to be cultivating and, and, and need to have? The easy answer to that question is empathy. And, you know, it is it is an overused word, but we don't use it nearly enough. We all have to intimately feel what is happening on the other side, whether I don't care if you're the person crafting an automated uh, marketing drip campaign that's sending out an email uh, to someone once a week, or you are the person closing a multi-million dollar deal for your organization. Putting yourselves in the shoes of the person you are trying to serve is hands down the most important skill set. Uh, empathy is it to me there's another the second thing i would pivot to is uh, there's an old greek philosopher uh, epicurus and I, these are words to live by for me they guide me personally and professionally we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we talk um, <laughs> you know and i I've, I've had a marketing hat on a lot of, a lot a good chunk of my career and i know as marketers we like to talk 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 look at our product look at our stuff we're different we're special terrific but if you're not listening, you're just never going to win. So empathy uh, and the ability to talk a bit less, listen. And then, you know, I guess the third one would be it's sort of an empathetic play, but the deconstruction of organizational silos takes focus. It takes finesse. And, and you know, any sort of change in an enterprise is always met with resistance. Hey, we've been doing this way forever. Why should we change? So there's an element of, um, there's an element of, patience and change management and, and convincing uh, and helping others see this is not necessarily a threat, but in fact, we all win. You know, So helping to, to lay that path out and make it easy for others to follow. Uh, those are three things that are, are super key for me. Lynn, they're wonderful suggestions to end on. This has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you on Speaking From Experience today. You are one of the world's great customer evangelists. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate the kind words, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Speaking From Experience. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And if you really enjoyed the show, reach out to us for a chat. A link is in the show notes. 
We'll be right back.